Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Everybody, welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on the stack, we talk about a couple of books that have come out this week, and we fight about them. We fight about them so hard, we get yeah. so angry at each other. It's really uncomfortable. A lot of yeah. great stuff to talk about, and a lot of stuff that I'm sure Justin likes that I hate. Oh boy. Well, let's what? kick it off with the biggest comic book of the week. I think House of X, number one from Marvel Comics. I'm super curious to hear what you guys have to say about this. Now, last week, Matt Rosenberg wrapped up his run on Uncanny X-Men. This is bringing did John- an amazing job. Great stuff. The Great Rosenberg, stuff. dude. This is Jonathan Hickman coming on the X-Men. He's doing House of X. He's doing Powers of X, two series that work as one, as it says in the comic book. And it's all leading up to a big reboot again of the X-Men line that's coming in October that was just announced at San Diego Comic-Con. But this is the first volume. This is the first issue. Uh, what'd you guys think? The X-Men are just a bunch of fucking assholes. Holy shit. Like, what the fuck, dude? That was such a dick uh, move. Yes. That was such a dick move. All right. Well, let me... Scott Summers is the biggest douche. Can we... I'll give you guys the overview for the comic, and then I I want to hear what everybody's going to He's going to shake hands and then be an asshole? So, a lot of things happen at the beginning here that I think we'll have to get back to in a moment. But the thrust of the book seems to be that the X-Men have discovered a way of using Krakoa, the living island, to create three drugs that they are going to offer to humans. And the offer is this. Give us Krakoa, give us our own land, give us our own place to live. Even though we are going to dominate humanity in 10 to 20 years' time, we'll just stay here and we'll give you these three drugs that will help you, we'll get rid of diseases, prolong your life, just leave us alone. That's the deal. And that's the thrust of the book. We get to see how the X-Men are brokering these deals with humans, uh, how they're using these new gateways that could take them all over the Earth. But to your point, to get back to the beginning of the book, there's something that happens in the first two pages. Specifically, there is a dude with a big X helmet on his head that looks very much like the Reed Richards from the Ultimate Universe. Yes. Walks through this tree area, 
things, humans pop out of these pods, they're born, and then the Professor X dude, we're told as Professor X says, to me, my X-Men. And then we jump forward several months, and we see where we pick up with the main thrust of the story. So to your point, there is something that is up here, and we don't know what it is yet. Yeah. If that if that's not Professor X and that's Ultimate Reed Richards, that's a crazy move. Yeah. Uh, but it's weird because he looks and is acting like a malevolent force and not yes. Professor X we know and love. It feels like their whole philosophy feels very Magneto-driven. Yep. And he has yeah. a large role here as sort of the... Uh, he must have won that chess game. Well, but it definitely feels like Professor X is working in concert. Like, he does seem... Whoever this character in, in the X hat, hat is, is Super like... Super douchey. Well, no, but he's like someone who is leading it. Unless that yeah. hat is controlling... Well, the him. fact that... Uh, uh, so there was a lot of fascinating stuff I think that was going on with this book. It's super Jonathan Hickman-y. Yeah. Oh, There's a yeah. lot of uh, back matter, interior matter to explain yeah. things. Lots of circles going on. Lots of black and white stuff happening. He loves Plus using your boys he loves back. adding tiny numbers. Yeah. Uh, Cypher. Cypher. Yeah. Great I like, Cypher I did like Cypher in this book. Uh, that was fun. Yeah. This reminds me of uh, the Black Monday Murders, Jonathan mm-hmm. Hickman book. Uh, and also reminded me a lot of uh, Warren Ellis' Wild Storm. Uh, the yes. Wild Storm uh, mm-hmm. feels very in line with that. Well, it's very authority, but with the X-Men in the Marvel Universe yeah. is essentially what it is. So... On a on a gut level, as an X Men fan, I read this being like, "Well, this isn't the X Men." Like you're going with the idea of mutants versus humans and being like, "Well, mutants won," and I get that on an intellectual level, but the way everybody is acting, they are not acting like the X Men. So the thing that I'm holding on to is that those first two pages, and that there is a twist, there is a reveal coming in terms of what is really going on. Yeah, I definitely like. The only shot, the panel we see of Wolverine is him, like, playing with kids. Yeah. Uh, which, that to me was the biggest indicator, like, this is weird. This yes. is off. But I got to say, like, I was like, there's no way they would do another alternate reality storyline when we just came out of this Age of X-Men, which was literally that, where everyone was being fooled into behaving a certain way. I I don't think it's people... My guess right now, this is a very early guess based on one issue, but... Those first two pages read to me as pod people, right? That yeah. this whoever this dude is in the X hat is creating his own X Men. He's cloning them. He's creating controllable versions of the X Men and putting them out in the world. Which means to me that the real X Men are somewhere. And if you go back to giant size X Men, that tracks pretty well, right? Because the original X Men get captured in Krakoa, yeah. and then the new X Men have to go and rescue them there. Yeah. So I could see him riffing on that situation. Yeah, and uh, Krakoa's everywhere in the or Krakatoa. Yeah. How do you say Krakatoa? It? Krakatoa uh, is it's all about that. Like we start with the flower imagery, and then like everything is built around this idea that Krakatoa is the main part. So I do think it, it is spinning directly out of that. So it makes sense. And also, this is a a dual six issue series that lead into the actual relaunch. So this could right. be sort of laying out a villain. Yeah, uh, for instance, as opposed to laying and out our I heroes. I think so. I think so. Like, based on the fact, particularly, and this is, you know, the not tragedy of comics, but one of the tough things about comics is you know things months in advance. So the fact that we know that there's several more militaristic-looking organizations 
who are coming out in October, it certainly seems like they're fighting against something. Yeah. And I think it's whatever this thing is. It's these good, bad, utopian X-Men, something like that. What's great is this really hammers down the idea that Scott Summers is a piece of shit. And it's one of the worst. This X-Men. is you feeling a certain way and then leaning into it. What are you talking about? He shook everybody's hands and then did a complete dick move. There's plenty of people acting harshly here. Magneto's acting harshly. Magneto can act harshly. That's in line with his character. Everybody says Scott Summers is the greatest leader and such a nice, like, oh, what a great, unbelievable dude. He is a complete asshole in this, and you can't argue with that. You uh, you hate him, and so you're putting like he is in line with the Professor X character and the Magneto character, and basically everyone we see here. He is just First the same. Off, you as don't them. know that's Professor X, so you can't say that's Professor. Whoever X. that person is, Scott Summers is acting just like him. They are all acting similarly because they're all on the same side and they're all in lockstep with whatever it is that's going on. So I don't think he's being more of a dick than anybody else. Oh well, he had a great line, so give him that. No, I won't give him shit. That guy's a piece of shit. Let's talk about one other aspect of the issue. Uh, One other thing that's going on while we're learning about the mutants, while they're dealing with these ambassadors who are visiting or all fake ambassadors, we get to see what's going on with humanity. And they've had these Orcus protocols that have been enacted that involves seemingly going up to a space station that is being powered by a giant sentinel head that seems to be ready to attack the mutants. Uh, What do you think's going on there? That when I was like halfway through this issue, I was like, oh, there's our villain. It's going to be this like the last me thinking that the take is now the humans are in the X-Men's position of being like uh, hated by the mutants and they're on the outside. So they're having to fight back by isolating themselves and creating this base. Um, yeah, is what I thought. But if, who, I don't know. I, I thought it was a little bit different where I, it seemed to me like maybe uh, the X-Men were building the Sentinels to work for them and eliminate humans. But Uh, we don't don't know. know. Uh, I will say, because it's Project Orcus, which is like Orchid, and the the whole design of that thing seems to be based on a flower, there certainly seems to be some sort of connection between the space robot head and whatever is going on on Earth. Uh, My final thought on it is that As a comic book fan, it's very good. It's really well written. It is a very full package of a comic book. The art is gorgeous uh, across the board. The colors are gorgeous. As an X-Men fan, I'm hesitant, but it's definitely very interesting, and I'm curious enough to see where it goes. I'm not interested in reading a comic where the X-Men are a bunch of assholes. You should have never read an X-Men comic book then. Cool. It's funny, you love so many characters who are assholes. Yeah, the Punisher's an asshole. He's one of the nicest people on the earth. Wolverine's an asshole. Not true. (laughs) Uh, I am excited. You like Bobby Nelson? He's an asshole. How dare you, He's a very classic asshole. Fuck you. Uh, A class hole, if you will. Yeah, a class hole. I'm uh, I'm very excited for this. I love Jonathan Hickman. I'm definitely going to give him a lot of rope when it comes to, like, lay out all the stuff. (laughs) Oh. uh, And let's see what happens. Not like you're going to... Yeah, I'm throwing ropes at that dude. <laughs> Gross. Yep. Yeah. You love saying that. I do. You love... When you hear the word rope, that's all you think of. It's true. 
And that's House of X. Let's move on to a DC comic book, Batman Curse of the White Knight, number one. This is a sequel to Batman White Knight, which found the Joker becoming good for a little while in Gotham City. This is following that alternate universe and expanding on it. What do you guys think about this book? Well, this is nice because it's a little bit more of what we know and love. Batman's good. Joker's bad. Thank you. Let's have a story. Uh, but I do think the point of this book is going to be somewhere in the past, Batman, the Bruce, the Wayne family did something fucked up. Yeah. Let's hope not. Uh, well, I think that's what it's going to be. Um, nope. we got Osriel uh, as a major player here, which is very cool. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Batman's angry. It was an interesting, the scene between he and, um, Nightwing. He's and- also a little quippy, which is weird. Like, he got somebody to confess and was like, too late, as he walked away. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Uh, this is Sean Murphy yep. on art and writing. Which uh, is great. Yeah. I, his art is is great. It's so good. His Batman is so good. I love his yep. Joker in particular, how angular his Joker is. I yeah. think that's yep. very neat. Um, I thought this was a fun story. Uh, I wasn't in love with the first White Knight I thought it was very ambitious, but I had certain problems with how it ended up. Uh, but I am curious enough to check out more of this, uh, particularly with the addition of Azrael, which I think this is a fun riff on the character. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for more. All right, moving on to an Archie comic book, Archie number 706. We're finally going back in time and finding out how Archie and Sabrina got together, how they met. They've been dating since this series rebooted with issue 700. Uh, and we're going a little bit back in time and seeing uh, what's going on with our favorite smoochy smooch couple. Ooh. Well, it'll be nice when they fi- we finally get to see them get together. So far, it's, it's a lot of bullshit. We haven't had them actually get together. Well, yet, they're so. together. This is a flashback, so yeah. you know they're together. We've so seen them together. When right, you, when you we, read this, you can imagine them kissing just in the present day. Right? Well, I know yeah, that's but we're you, seeing or like, through that. This those is pictures that I draw that I send to you. Every this is a giant tease because it's like, oh, oop, they were in the same place. So not they're not interacting. So oh, I, they're in the same place. Nope, they're not interacting. Oh, up, up, up. and then the fucking thing ends. It's a secret origin to their relationship. Yeah, what I liked. It's taken too long. What I liked it's about the first this, issue. <laughs> Uh, what I liked about this was I, I felt like the point was, is Sabrina magical in this Archie universe? And spoiler, one, two, three, by the end of the issue, yes, she is. Yes. Uh, and I think that's what we were getting at here because we haven't really seen that. They've been t- dancing around a little bit. Uh, this is also the first issue, I think, where Nick Spencer and Rico Tamaki, who's great, have been working together, uh, and I think it flowed really nicely. I'm really enjoying this title a lot. Me too. I love Archie and Sabrina together. I think both uh, on the business side, it's perfect combination of the popular TV shows, and just from a character point of view, I love it. Moving on, or back to Marvel Comics, Jane Foster, Valkyrie number one. She is going to be Thor in the Marvel movie coming out in a couple of years, but here she's Valkyrie, and we're kicking <laughs> it off with a new number one. What do you guys think about this? Oh, this is exciting. I like the idea of uh, she was such a great character and they didn't, you know, they didn't kind of put her away. They're like, let's, uh, you know, give her the, the title Valkyrie. And I, I like how this is starting. This is a great action-packed first issue, kind of sets up this world, gets you excited for more. I think it does a great job of getting you excited for more of these. What do you think of the, her weapon thing? It's kind of like the Witchblade, huh? Yeah, it's a magic-changing weapon. I love that. That's my le- the part I'm least excited about. Sure. It feels a little... Uh, what, you don't like magical weapons that change when you need them to? No, that's, uh, I guess I don't like that. It's a little too, like, 
just going to keep having it change shapes. I don't know. Uh, but the rest of this book, I think, is great. I love the way that uh, she's going to be... She's carved out her own lane where it's like she's involved with uh, death and like she's going to be interacting with people that die and sort of what that means. I love the line, um, Thor is a power, uh, Valkyrie is a responsibility. Uh, yeah, that was a cool. great line. I to the point that you were saying, Justin. It it's such a great pilot setup of yeah. her getting sent down to work at uh, the morgue. Yeah, and yeah. so there's a setup where she can be working with dead bodies. She could be solving mysteries there and go off there. I kind of hope they stick with that. Like Me I too. almost hope they stick with a procedural with an ongoing story because I feel like often with comic books they start with this great pilot premise idea and then they ditch it after an arc. It just yeah. becomes something different. You go back to just like sort of normal superhero. Exactly. But this is so fun. Like uh, that was the thing that I was not expecting from this. Granted, Jason Aaron, Al Ewing, they know how to have a little bit of fun, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, whoa, but whoa. do you know what I mean? I think so. Uh, okay. I don't. So I thought I did and then you said it like that. Now I don't. Yeah. Then it became creepy. Uh, yep. The uh, This is a fun book and the reveal of the villain at the end is great. It's nobody that I ever would have escaped. Yeah. Yeah. But it's such fun. Yeah. yeah. Such fun. Very oh, cool. Oh, very fun. Uh, slightly less fun in a different way from Image Comic Books, Wicked and Divine, number 44. There is one more issue left in this, but this is wrapping up the main thrust of the book, the main conflict. How do you feel about how it all turned out? Well, I mean, anytime you get like a real, uh, you know, Big fight sequence that ends with them people in a courtroom. <laughs> I feel like it's a little anticlimactic. But uh, a lot of great characters, a lot of fun stuff in this. The art's amazing. Uh, you know, this has been a really great ride, so I'm not going to be mad at the end so far. I feel like they did a good job. Feels like the next issue is going to be just the epilogue, sort of like where the characters end up. Um, but I love, uh, I love two. I love the sort of dramatic end. Um, what uh, happens with uh, Laura doesn't want to punish um, the what the villain? What's her name? And yeah. uh, the way she is, spoiler, uh, killed. I thought was very cool. Um, the uh, the Lucifer yeah, Laura that was relationship really cool. was very cool. Very well played out. I thought. I love this series. I think it was great. It was I mean, great. I, it's so musical. I feel like this yeah. book, uh, like a lot of Kieran Gillen stuff, has such well, a Kieran musicality. Well, Kieran Gillen and Jay McKelvey, I mean, going back to Phonogram, Phonogram that's yeah. what they've focused on. They DJ at parties at Comic-Cons and other things. They're super into it. So I think, yeah, that's the tone this, they're going with. The, the premise has nothing to do with music in yeah. this, and they still always bring it back to performance, mm-hmm. music. Uh, being how, on stage. Being on stage is a big factor here. Like, Well, but that was always the metaphor, right? It was godhood as stardom. Yeah, and yeah. I, uh, but I, it also I just think the writing is very musical and the, sure. also they kind of hit the lighting cigarettes a little too hard. I feel like you know it's like all right, I get it. Yeah, it's not no non. Yeah, don't smoke, guys. Don't smoke. Yeah, if this was the final issue of the title, I would have been happy, and I even kind of thought it was until I, I flipped did too, to the yeah, end in reading yeah. it. Yeah, but I also love epilogue stories, and yes. I think it will be a great issue. 
It's great. Uh, very good. Definitely pick it up. Pick up the previous issues first because this one will make no sense. Moving on to a DC comic book, The Flash, number 75. Here we go. Here we, we go. go. Mr. Yeah. Flash yeah. over here Captain wants Flashy. us to talk about The Flash. We were talking about this on our Patreon Slack a little bit. I feel yeah. like every review of The Flash breaks down to, I talk about why I like the issue, and you guys are like, so he runs fast? What's his deal? Right. Yeah. And what's great is he takes on the villain of the turtle but oh man can the flash outrun the turtle yeah yeah i can <laughs> i don't know if anybody saw that coming but you know what well, i could have called it in the issue before that slow and, and steady wins the race not in this case not in this case you Ooh. gotta be fast I like this issue a lot, and I'll tell you why. Uh, so uh, as we talked about with the last issue, I think Josh Williamson has done a very good job making the turtle a big villain for the Flash, giving a good reason for him doing what he does. Uh, we also had got this whole flashback to uh, Flash's Back. beginnings. All right, all right, all right. Yep. Uh, and then See we bring it there. back to yep. the present uh, where he's talked to the person who now has the still force who sent him back in time, and he realizes that all of this time has been stolen from him Clearly, we're setting up for yet another big crisis where things are going to be broken again. Uh, certainly a question whether that ties into Doomsday Clock, which seems to still be going or not. Uh, but that we get that story, and then we get an excellent story with Captain Cold that I thought was fantastic. Actually, Captain Cold stuff was yeah. great. Like, I felt like the issue built and built over went. Like, the turtle story was fun. Uh, it's good. It was a nice resolution to that arc. Yeah. Then when we get the teases for what's coming, uh, as a Flash fan, it's fun to see they're going to be going up against Reverse Flash. They're going to be bringing together Wally and Wallace again uh, and all of these other things. That's pretty cool. But it all built up to this Captain Cold story, which ostensibly was one of these offer stories, the Year of the Villain, which have been yeah. fine. Uh, but... This, the way it was drawn, the way it was laid out was so good and dug into Captain Cold so emotionally. Yeah. It yeah. was awesome. Yeah, it was cool. I, uh, <laughs> I like Captain Cold. I feel like we get so, we always have to hear his origin in a way where I'm like, we've known his deal. Right. Um, I did like the very end where he, he goes to bat for the rest of the rogues and is like, uh, I'm not doing this unless my guys get to do it, too. Yeah. Uh, so well, that's, that's one of the things that I think is great that I like so much about the Rogues, and this is something that Jeff Johns really cemented with his run on the title, is usually they don't want to get involved in these big villain things because they're like, nope, we're just, we do our thing, we rob, we steal, leave us out of this. Yeah, We have weird powers, and our the guy we fight against is fast. That's yeah. like our whole thing. Yeah, that is our whole thing. Uh but and yeah, I really like the art in this story quite a bit. I, I did too. Um, I'm very curious about this new character, Steadfast, that's created um, in the main story. Yeah. Um, who, I guess, is sort of an avatar of the Still Force. Right. Um, that, to me, Turtle always felt like sort of goofy. Sure. Um, so I'm very, I'm curious to see where this goes next. This whole thing, Joshua Williamson has been building this so slowly. It's very, not to keep calling out Jeff Johns, but it's very like the color core thing that was going on with Green Lantern. But he's really taking his time with it. And I'm curious to see where he is heading with all of these different avatars and all of these different forces and everything else. It's interesting. 
Yes. Cool. <laughs> Great. Thanks, guys. This is one coming Haven't out. Haven't you had your flash time? Uh, it's yeah. done. It's flash time's over. August 7th, coming to Dark Horse Comics, Berserker Unbound, number one. This is from Mike Diodato Jr. and Jeff Lemire. Yeah, I put Mike Jeff. Diodato Jr. first because this is clearly just a showcase for him to go hard as a motherfucker on some barbarian action. Yeah, he's going hard. AF on this. Am I right, Alex? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for saying it's shorter, man. You got it. H A M. Yeah. H A M to H P M. That's how I roll. Wow. Oh, very cool. Yeah, man. Hard as a What's motherfucker. What's the P stand for? <laughs> Pork pies. Hard peeing. Hard peeing motherfucker. <laughs> P's hard. Uh, what'd you guys think about this book? Pete, you like action and violence? I do. This um, is really you. Yeah, this was me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it. it you know, it's kind of Samurai Jack's story where, you know, he has a family and then gets Everything tossed. Everything Samurai Jack's story with Love you. Love Samurai Jack. Jesus Christ. Fuck you guys. Because, you know, he gets fucked over and then he gets thrown forward in time. And will he make it back to his time? And you know, will he be, be fair, able to save his family? To be fair, it is similar to Samurai Jack. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <that is> actually. <laughs> this one makes the most sense out of any time you say that. Cool. Um... But yeah, I think the art's amazing, and I'm excited to see Jeff Lemire on a like Conan book to see what he's going to do and how what he's going to bring because he is such a creative dude, and I'm very interested to see uh, what he does moving forward. To be clear, this is not a Conan book. This is a guy who just looks and acts like Conan. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just making sure. Cool for uh, our listeners. But it's you know the classic fish out of water. Like, what is a barbarian going to be like in today's time? Was that a crocodile Dundee accent you did at the end there? Yeah, Aussie, no. because that's yeah. where he ends up uh, in a crocodile Dundee movie. Um, yeah, I do think this uh, this is a rare book that it really feels like it tries to sell the art side of it first and introduces the actual premise or concept of the series sort of near the end of the first issue, which I thought was uh, super unique, and the art is worth it. Yeah. Uh, Next one to talk about from Image Comics, Curse Words number 23. This is coming to the end here. We finally get an origin story for Margaret. It's pretty twisted. It's pretty fucked up, uh, but it makes total sense with everything that's happened before. Charles, What do you guys think about this issue? Pizza wrap. Yeah, a pizza rat, dude. Uh, Margaret's pizza rat. Yeah. Uh, what Here's a what I think. Charles Soule owes Matt Little money. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Matt yeah. Little is the guy who discovered pizza rat. Charles, pay him his money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, this is such a fun, creative book. And Charles Soule is an amazing writer. And it's fun to finally see these things kind of tie in. And it became this weird it went from being this weird wizard fucking comic to this thing about family, and uh, it earns it. And I'm very excited to see how this ends up. This has been such an amazing ride. I'm going to be sad to see this go. To be fair, it's still crazy weird, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, so when you say it's a family book, it's about a uh, daughter who has turned into sort of a bug man, mm-hmm. a bug thing. Bug monster. A bug monster, yeah. then into a rat, and uh, eventually into a koala. koala. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, what happens to kids. Yeah. Yeah, buckle up, bro. Yeah, I got to yep. get ready for bug thing. <laughs> uh, what is that, the terrible fours or the bug yeah. thing? Yeah, no. uh, horrific fours. Uh, this book, I feel like it's just Charles Soule going crazy. Like, yeah, he gets to awesome. say and do whatever yeah. he wants. And he's taken it from just like the character being sort of irreverent in the first uh, chunk of it to now it's just like, 
a million ideas at play. I do like that they are digging in emotionally with this issue, but mm-hmm. at the same time, not losing the wackiness. You yeah. get Syzygy, the bad guy, who is just absolutely bonkers. Like, there's still comedy going on in the midst of all this, and I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Last one to talk about from DC Comics, Wonder Woman number 75. This is bring Wonder Woman up against Grail. It's reintroducing the Amazons into the DC universe. This is a big battle, epic comic book. How'd you guys feel about it? This is good. I mean, this is a fun Wonder Woman kind of tale. A lot going on. Uh, yeah, you know, I haven't been like blown away by this Wonder Woman lately, but I feel like this is a good kind of like resetting of things and kind of getting some forward momentum going. I'm a big fan of Wonder Woman. Uh, it's it's sometimes tough to uh, do Wonder Woman, so I'm excited for what's going to happen after this and what's happening moving forward. And I feel like this is a good issue of kind of recentering the character and kind of giving her on a certain path. To me, it feels like Wonder Woman's been in the position that the X-Men have been in for a long time, where it's just like sort of jumping around within the continuity but not taking big swings at what's uh, happening. It feels like Wonder Woman's always like, in the main title anyway, like... She's not with the Amazons, and she's back on Themyscira and all this. And it's just like, feels like, okay, now she's back with the Amazons, but I, I don't know what's different about this. Um, it, it does, I, I like this issue. Yeah, it's a, it's a good and issue, I think, but I in think particular, it's, just, it's harmed by the fact that it's past, it's been right behind all these other yeah, runs. I just want to say some nice things about it before I address your criticism. Okay, I great. think uh, the there's a visual in this book where the Amazons, half of the Amazons, are in this other dimension, and when they look back on Earth and Themyscira, they they're upside down. It's very mind bending, very weird, and it ultimately leads to this visual where they jump through the portal to go to attack Grail. That felt huge and epic, and I yeah. love those moments. That's cool. Um, but to your point, it constantly feels like whoever comes on the title is like, "Okay, I'm going to fix this." Yeah, like whatever this last thing was. I'm going to fix that thing and bring Wonder Woman back to basics. But somehow, by the end of the road there, it always gets messed up again, and then they have to fix it again. So my hopeful... To Pete's point earlier, I'm hopeful that this fixes whatever they felt they needed to fix with Wonder Woman, and then we can move forward from there. Yeah, Yeah, agreed. Um, I do think the Wonder Woman that's been in um, Justice League Dark has been very cool. Yeah. Uh, where it does feel like strong choice leaning into the mystical elements of Wonder Woman's past, and she f- all, always feels like, fuck, everything's fucked, and I have to fix this right now. Uh, that seems very, like, uh, aggressive Amazonian in the way she's acting in that book, and uh, I would be happy to see more of that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, cool. That is it for our podcast for today. Before we go, though, we're going to do something new for you guys. Uh, we're going to read a couple of iTunes comments. All right. Yeah. On iTunes. They're super tiny shout, on the phone. Yeah. A little shout out to the people who take time to give us comments. Yeah. And if you would like to leave some comments on iTunes for us, we'll read them on the show if you guys like this. Uh, this is from Mike D21. He says, Pete gets mad. Alex and Justin make condescending jokes at Pete's expense. Pete gets mad. They talk to a guest. Alex and Justin make fun of Pete. Comics are reviewed. Sometimes fun is had by all. Legit. Wow. Nice. Thank you, Mike. Uh, That is exactly what happens on the show. I feel like... Shut up, Pete. You suck. Yeah, you're below us in a condescending way. (laughs) Hey, I don't like this. And do you guys want to review a comic? 
Uh, yeah, we should do one comic. Yeah, we should do one comic. Just to stay on brand. There we go. All right, here's another one. This is from Simon Rusky. Uh, love this podcast. I've been listening to it for a few years now. I also attend the live show whenever I get a chance. Aww. I don't know everything about comics, but the show has definitely helped me appreciate the medium and creators of it way more. Thanks, guys. No, thank you, Simon. That is so sweet. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, And this uh, last one is from I Love Comics 77. I really enjoy listening to this podcast. These guys are great. They are very knowledgeable about a wild variety of comics, not just mainstream Marvel and DC stuff. Alex, Pete, and Justin are hands down the best comic hosts I've ever heard. Love the Week of Geek, which is where they go over geek topics of note. Very cool. Definitely worth listening to. Man. Wow, that's weird. Now it feels like we just read a bunch of kiss ass shit. My heart is full. I don't think we've ever gotten a bad comment. Yeah. Wow. So I yeah, mean, throw should us... we read some bad comments? Yeah, we should. We, we should. should. Yeah, we oh, should yeah. get into the dark. These shit. guys suck. Yo, fuck Here's these why. guys. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know what? I'm gonna go on iTunes and I'm gonna leave us a bad comment. Don't do that. Oh, that no. seems unnecessary. One star. <laughs> How about this show? They're very mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should go in and leave our personal comments about yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's a great idea. I yeah. think so. Five star. I love when I talk. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to leave a comment, please do. We'll try to do this weekly here on. The Stack Podcast. Also, if you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. And as mentioned, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by and we'll comment back to you live. Ooh. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at Comic Book Club at live.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you at the comic book shop. Bye, guys. Cyclops forever. Fuck you. Alex, just